This is Chapter Ten of Mark Twain's Journal Writings, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain's Journal Writings, Volume Two, A Medieval Romance, read by John Greenman. We voyaged by steamer down the Lago de Lecho through wild mountain scenery and by hamlets and villas, and disembarked at the town of Lecho. They said it was two hours by carriage to the ancient city of Bergamo, and that we should arrive there in good season for the railway train. We got an open barouche and a wild, boisterous driver and set out. It was delightful. We had a fast team and a perfectly smooth road. There were towering cliffs on our left, and the pretty Lago de Lecho on our right, and every now and then it rained on us. Just before starting, the driver picked up in the street a stump of cigar an inch long and put it in his mouth. When he had carried it thus for about an hour, I thought it would be only Christian charity to give him a light. I handed him my cigar, which I had just lit, and he put it in his mouth and returned his stump to his pocket. We saw interior Italy now. The houses were of solid stone and not often in good repair. The peasants and their children were idle as a general thing, and the donkeys and chickens made themselves at home in drawing-room and bedchamber, and were not molested. The drivers of each and every one of the slow-moving market-carts we met were stretched in the sun upon their merchandise, sound asleep. Every three or four hundred yards, it seemed to me, we came upon the shrine of some saint or other a rude picture of him built into a cross or a stone pillar by the roadside. Some of the pictures of the Saviour were curiosities in their way. They represented him stretched upon the cross, his countenance distorted with agony. From the wounds of the crown of thorns, from the pierced side, from the mutilated hands and feet, from the scourged body, from every handbreadth of his person streams of blood were pouring. Such a gory, ghastly spectacle would frighten the children out of their senses, I should think. There were some unique auxiliaries to the painting which added to the effect. These were genuine wooden and iron implements, and were prominently disposed about the figures, a bundle of nails, the hammer to drive them, the sponge, the reed that supported it, the cup of vinegar, the ladder for the ascent of the cross the spear that pierced the Saviour's side. The crown of thorns was made of real thorns and was nailed to the sacred head. In some of the Italian church paintings, even by the old masters, the Saviour and the Virgin wear silver or gilded crowns that are fastened to the picture's heads with nails. The effect is as grotesque as it is incongruous. Here and there in the fronts of roadside inns we found huge, coarse frescoes of suffering martyrs like those in the shrines. It could not have diminished their sufferings any to be so uncouthly represented. We were in the heart and home of priestcraft, of a happy, cheerful, contented ignorance, superstition, degradation, poverty, indolence, and everlasting, unaspiring worthlessness and we said fervently it suits these people precisely let them enjoy it along with other animals and heaven forbid that they be molested we feel no malice towards them 
we pass through the strangest funniest undreamt of old towns wedded to the customs and steeped in the sleep of the older ages and perfectly unaware that the world turns round and perfectly indifferent too as to whether it turns round or stands still they have nothing to do but to eat and sleep and sleep and eat and toil a little when they can get a friend to stand by and keep them awake they are not paid for thinking they are not paid to fret about the world's concerns they were not respectable people they were not worthy people they were not learned and wise and brilliant people but in their breasts all their stupid lives long rested a peace that passeth all understanding how can men calling themselves men consent to be so degraded and happy we whisked by many a gray old medieval castle clad thick with ivy that swung its green banners down from towers and turrets where once some old crusader's flag had floated the driver pointed to one of these ancient fortresses and said i translate do you see that great iron hook that projects from the wall just under the highest window in the ruined tower we said we could not see it at such a distance but had no doubt it was there well he said there is a legend connected with that iron hook nearly seven hundred years ago that castle was the property of the noble count luigi gennaro guido alfonso de genova what was his other name said one of the party he had no other name the name i have spoken of was all the name he had he was the son of blank never mind the particulars go on with the legend the legend well then all the world at that time was in a wild excitement about the holy sepulchre all the great feudal lords in europe were pledging their lands and pawning their plate to fit out men-at-arms so that they might join the grand armies of christendom and win renown in the holy wars the count luigi raised money like the rest and one mild september morning armed with battle-axe with barbican cresset portcullis enfield rifle prussian needle-gun and thundering culverin he rode through the greaves of his dungeon-keep with as gallant a troop of christian bandits as ever stepped in italy he had his sword excalibur with him his beautiful countess and her young daughter waved him a tearful adieu from the battering rams and buttresses of the fortress and he galloped away with a happy heart he made a raid on a neighboring baron and completed his outfit with the booty secured he then razed the castle to the ground massacred the family and moved on they were hardy fellows in the grand old days of chivalry alas those days will never come again count luigi grew high in fame in the holy land he plunged into the carnage of a hundred battles but his good excalibur always brought him out alive albeit often sorely wounded his face became browned by exposure to the syrian sun in long marches he suffered hunger and thirst he pined in prisons he languished in loathsome plague hospitals and many and many a time he thought of his loved ones at home and wondered if all was well with them but his heart said peace is not thy brother watching over thy household forty-two years waxed and waned the good fight was on godfrey reigned in jerusalem 
the christian hosts reared the banner of the cross above the holy sepulchre twilight was approaching fifty harlequins in flowing robes approached this castle wearily for they were on foot and the dust upon their garments showed that they had travelled far they overtook a peasant and asked him if it was likely they could get food and a hospitable bed there for love of christian charity and if perchance a moral parlor entertainment might meet with generous countenance for they said this exhibition hath no feature that could offend the most fastidious marry quoth the peasant an it please your worships ye had better go many a good road hence with your juggling circus than trust your bones in yonder castle how now sirrah exclaimed the chief monk explain thy ribald speech or my lady it shall go hard with thee peace good mountebank i did but utter the truth that was in my heart san pablo be my witness that did ye but find the stout count leonardo in his cups sheer from the castle's topmost battlements would he hurl ye all alackaday the good lord luigi reigns not here in these sad times the good lord luigi ay none other please your worship in his day the poor rejoiced in plenty and the rich he did oppress taxes were not known the fathers of the church waxed fat upon his bounty travellers went and came with none to interfere whosoever would might tarry in his halls in cordial welcome and eat his bread and drink his wine withal but woe is me two and forty years agone the good count rode away to fight for the holy cross and many a year has flown since word or token was had of him men say his bones lie bleaching in the fields of palestine and now now god mercy the cruel leonardo lords it in the castle he wrings taxes from the poor he robs all travellers that journey by his gates he spends his days in feuds and murders and his nights in revel and debauch he roasts the fathers of the church upon his kitchen spits and enjoyeth the same calling it pastime these thirty years luigi's countess hath not been seen by any in all this land and many whisper that she pines in the dungeons of the castle for that she will not wed with leonardo saying that she will die ere she prove false to him they whisper likewise that her daughter is a prisoner as well nay good jugglers seek ye refreshments otherwheres twere better that ye perished in a christian war than that ye plunged from off yon dizzy tower i give ye good day god keep ye gentle youth farewell but heedless of the peasant's warning the players moved straightway towards the castle word was brought to count leonardo that a company of mountebanks besought his hospitality tis well dispose of them in the customary manner yet stay i have need of them let them come hither later cast them from the battlements or how many priests have ye on hand the day's results are meagre good my lord an abbot and a dozen beggarly friars is all we have hell and furies is the state going to secede send hither the mountebanks afterwards broil them with the priests the robed and closed cowled harlequins entered the grim leonardo sate in state at the head of his council board 
ranged up and down the hall on either hand stood near a hundred men-at-arms ha villains quoth the count what can ye do to earn the hospitality ye crave dread lord and mighty crowded audiences have greeted our humble efforts with rapturous applause among our body count we the versatile and talented ugolino the justly celebrated rodolfo the infant phenomenon signor beppo the palestine pet zelina the gifted and accomplished rodrigo the management have spared no pains and expense sdeath what can ye do curb thy prating tongue good my lord in acrobatic feats in practice with the dumbbells in balancing and ground and lofty tumbling are we versed and sith your highness asked me i venture here to publish that in the truly marvellous and entertaining zampilero station gag him throttle him body of bacchus am i a dog that i am to be assailed with polysyllable blasphemy like this but hold lucretia isabel stand forth sirrah behold this dame this weeping wench the first i marry within the hour the other shall dry her tears or feed the vultures thou and thy vagabonds shall crown the wedding with thy merry-makings fetch hither the priest the dame sprang toward the chief player oh save me she cried save me from a fate far worse than death behold these sad eyes these shrunken cheeks this withered frame see thou this wreck this fiend hath made and let thy heart be moved with pity look upon this damsel note her wasted form her halting step her bloodless cheek where youth should blush and happiness exult in smiles hear us and have compassion this monster was my husband's brother he should have been our shield against all harm hath kept us shut within the noisome dungeon of his castle for lo these thirty years for what crime none other than i would not belie my troth root out my strong love for him who marches with the legions of the cross in holy land for oh he is not dead and wed with him save us oh save thy persecuted supplicants she flung herself at his feet and clasped his knees ha 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 shouted the brutal leonardo priest to thy work and he dragged the weeping dame from her refuge say once for all will you be mine for by my halidome that breath that uttereth thy refusal shall be thy last on earth never then die and the sword leapt from its scabbard quicker than thought quicker than the lightning's flash fifty monkish habits disappeared and fifty knights in splendid armor stood revealed fifty falchions gleamed in air above the men-at-arms and brighter fiercer than them all flamed excalibur aloft and cleaving downward struck the brutal leonardo's weapon from his grasp count luigi bound his usurping brother hand and foot the practised knights from palestine made holiday sport of carving the awkward men-at-arms to chops and steaks the victory was complete happiness reigned everybody married somebody else but what did they do with the wicked brother oh nothing only hanged him on that iron hook i was speaking of 
by the chin how passed it up through into his mouth how long couple of years count luigi is he dead six hundred and fifty years ago or such a matter splendid legend drive on end of a medieval romance by mark twain read by john greenman